Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. What an episode we've got today. Holy shit. I don't want to waste uh, much time at all. So um, as you know, we've been talking about this episode for a while. We were so uh, pumped to get to go to uh, our guest's house in New York and get this episode. Um, You know him, you love him. He's done it all. Neil Patrick Harris is our guest today on the About Last Night podcast, uh, which is featured on iTunes. Go to iTunes. We're on the front page of iTunes with this episode. Shout out to uh, our boy Steve there and uh, and iTunes for making this happen. This was uh, an incredible, incredible thing and episode and conversation uh, from uh, Neil's uh, early days as Doogie Howser to his musical theater background to being a dad to his Muppet uh, uh, love to uh, to his magician background. This episode is just. Uh, one of those those special ones that you're like, oh, I'm probably going to go back and listen to that again because there's a lot of really good shit. We also talked about Neil's new Netflix show, A Series of Unfortunate Events, in which he plays Count Olaf, which premieres January 13th on Netflix. The trailer's online. It looks fucking incredible. Uh, so make sure you check that out. And follow Neil on Twitter uh, at ActuallyNPH. That's at ActuallyNPH. Tweet at Neil. Tell him how much you love the episode. Uh and enjoy the hell out of this one. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy, at Funny Brad, at Alan Podcast, at Alan Podcast on Instagram, Adam Ray 33 on Instagram, Brad Williams Comic on Instagram. Uh, Brad is going to be uh, this weekend at the Celebrity Theater in Phoenix, Arizona with Ralphie May, December 16th at 8 p.m. Get your tickets uh, at celebritytheater.com. And then December 23rd, Brad will be at the Irvine Improv for two shows, 7.30 and 9.45. Get your tickets at improv.com. Uh, I will be in Seattle, hometown show, Columbia City Theater, December 23rd, 7 p.m. Get your tickets at adamraytv.com. Columbia City Theater, downtown Seattle, December 23rd. That's the Friday before Christmas. So come out and party with me, 7 p.m. I'm bringing Avery Pearson to do some music. Got some other surprises planned. It's going to be awesome. December 23rd, 7 p.m., Columbia City Theater, and then Las Vegas, Nevada. I'll be headlining the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana, December 26th through January 1st. Get your tickets at laughfactory.com. Estoymerchandise.com for all your ALN merch, hat, shirts, mugs, posters. Get them all there. They make great holiday gifts. You know, Hanukkah and Christmas starting this year. Around the same time, I believe. Fuck, I'm such a bad Jew. I think it starts the day of Christmas. I think. God damn it. Anyway. Uh, go to AstoryMerchandise.com and get your ALN merch and uh, and make somebody's uh, holiday a little more special with an ALN mug. Come on. Drink some eggnog out of Brad's face. <laughs> uh, and all that uh, merch, again, is at AstoryMerchandise.com. Uh, so many great apps coming up. This Neil Patrick Harris one is is just so fucking great. And, uh, and we've got uh, some best of ALNs coming at you again like we did last year. Um, a year in review, a two-part year in review with highlights of some of our uh, best guests from the past year, which, man, looking back at that guest list, so many, it's going to be really awesome to uh, put that together. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell somebody today. Tell a friend, a coworker, a stranger, a homeless person. Say, hey, check out the About Last Night podcast. It's a lot of fun. All right? Now that we got the tour dates out of the way, those are the Twitter handles. That's the merch info. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy a very special brand-new episode of the About Last Night podcast with the one and only Neil Patrick Harris. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a no podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. 
Um, you said you have uh, twin six-year-olds. Check, check, too. Check, can you check hear that? Yeah. Should I have headphones? Or something? <laughs> oh, gee, I, I have them just check. to make sure we can hear everything. Oh, yeah, good. Uh, I have uh, seven-year-old twin nieces. Um, oh, nice. So, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be the uncle who's like, I know what it's like to have kids. I babysat them twice. <laughs> but uh, the twin world, just from being around it, is... Uh, it's super awesome. It's bonkers and awesome, yeah. We have Are a, they boy, buddies? a boy and a girl. Yeah, they're buddies, but they annoy each other. They're yeah. kind of whiny telly. Secret. Are we? Are we going? Are yeah. We, are we talking? Yeah. About yeah. Kids? Going. Let's go. Uh, well, congrats on kind the. Of, they're kind of all. They're in whining, uh, telling on each other mode right now. <laughs> uh, well, Did they trick or treat? Papa. Yeah, they trick or treated. Oh well, yeah, because that's that that's fun. That's like your holiday. You go all out for Halloween. I love Halloween, but I'm realizing as a new parent, yeah, newish parent, mm-hmm. that it's not my holiday anymore. It's more their oh. holiday now. Rest, you, should I pour out some of this coffee for Neil's <laughs> love for Halloween? A little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I was always very excited about trick or treaters yeah. and, and having scares and you, fog machines. Yeah, yeah, you set up haunted houses, or you for would. Sure. Yeah, I, I remember hearing commercials for. The Neil Patrick Harris haunted house uh, <laughs> over in Los Angeles. Yeah, my and, house in the valley was a mm-hmm. cul-de-sac street, and so we would let people enter from one side and go down the gate, uh, go through a gate down a hallway, and then outside we would put up mazes, and we had yeah. one was a circus theme one year. One year was called the Butcher Boy. <laughs> <laughs> we made a horrible song. <laughs> Do you still remember how it goes? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very exciting. It was, uh, <laughs> Butcher boy, butcher boy, beware the butcher boy. Yeah, that's butcher terrifying. Butcher boy, sure. butcher boy, he's coming to catch you. Sleep tight, kids. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if that was a 45-minute song and just cut to us played, wrapping up the- played, it played in a big yeah, loop yeah. around and around. Well, are, you yeah. big on, are you big on scaring people in general? Like, I, uh, when I first graduated college, I worked at Universal Studios Hollywood as a tour nice. guide. Nice. Oh, fun. And That's then a fun gig. It was great. And then as Wolverine, because that just paid better. Nice. And then I did the Halloween Horror Nights one year, and it was like, they gave us free reign to scare the shit out of people, and it was really fun. And I was like, I, everybody should get to experience- getting to scare somebody like this. Did your voice go out? I always worry about people's yeah. voices. Well, I played like the Scarface zombie. So I just r- walked around just doing shitty Al Pacino impressions. <laughs> and Trying to do a Cuban people. accent? Yeah. I, yeah, I would just be like, oh, oh, hey, yeah, yeah. And they were like, boo Boo-ha. Boo-ha. boo I actually coined that phrase and made a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They have those guys with the, with the knee pads, the metal knee pads, yes. and they come they make running sparks. and slide That's terrifying. The there yeah. should yeah. be some sort of rule against that. But. I like scaring people in a safe way. Which the not the to supermarket. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't like to go into Safeways and scare people. <laughs> but I like to in a, in a safe That's environment. Amazing. Yeah, yes. I like to scare. I'm not a big practical joke scarer. I'm not a guy that hides and then jumps out at people and right. laughs mm-hmm. at the fact that they are panicking. That's old school. That's too but easy. I like haunted mm-hmm. houses because you are willingly going there to be scared. Yeah. You know yep. that they're not going to touch you. Right. For the most part, those immersive theater ones now can get a little hardcore. Yeah. But you know that you're going to be safe, but you're still going to be scared, and that I enjoy. Yeah. However, with Six-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Take it back to your original question. <laughs> Not so much because they want to go trick-or-treating and they can't have so much candy and you need to manage their mm-hmm. energy levels and yeah. they have to eat dinner and there's kind of chaos in New York. It's not that idyllic street corner, you know, go up, walk up the suburban street and walk up the driveway and ring the doorbell and say yeah. trick-or-treat to the people sure. and they say, oh, what are you wearing? It's 
5,000 kids and yeah. 10,000 parents. And wow. a five-story walk-up. Adderall <laughs> everywhere. Just like people yeah. just, oh, yeah. it's chaos. Sure. And, so then and I'm that's trying just to, the good houses. You yeah. don't have king-size <laughs> Snickers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure that the kids are having a proper time, that it's mm-hmm. imprinting good memories yeah. well, and I mean, not just a yeah, shit chaos. show. Well, and I've seen, you, you, you guys uh, tend to all dress as a family. I kind of went back and, mm-hmm. look, and, look, and looked at your postcards, whether it was uh, the Batman year, yeah, uh, you cool. were... That you were the Riddler, the kids were like Batman. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, this year was old Hollywood. We went old Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, so you were Groucho? I was Groucho, David was Charlie Chaplin, Harper was was Marilyn Monroe, and Gideon was James Dean. <laughs> that's amazing. And we showed them footage and images of the characters. We wanted her to be Monroe in the pink dress from Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of the white dress that's showing her panties with the fan <laughs> blowing underneath. That's probably a good thing as a dad. As a parent, good yeah. move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's you thinking ahead. So, you know, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to be a stripper yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we had him look at James Dean, so he kind of, we tried to get him to get that furrowed brow expression yeah James Dean. now do they awesome. do they do they do they like it do they get excited for halloween do they share your love for the holiday i think so mm-hmm. i think so harper's was not as excited about trick-or-treating as i thought she'd be yeah she's very outgoing and loves to perform but for some reason and i don't know i honestly don't know why but does she uh, have like a greater understanding of like just going to strangers houses and asking for candy is kind of weird that's pro- maybe she's just really you know? smart and yeah. savvy and, and, yeah, sure. and appreciating that. that she's is- like, why don't we just go get some at yeah. Safeway? Yeah. Dad, candy you, at if home. you're not fucking banned from there, <laughs> uh, it, it is strange that you give you, you you tell your kids, all right, don't talk to, don't talk strangers, don't talk strangers, <laughs> yeah. don't talk strangers. And one night you're like, now go to every yeah. house, but dress up so and they yeah, make sure it's not you. Caramel apple, that yeah. the stranger has maybe made right. So, you know, and as long as it has a vague wrapper on it, then you should be fine. So yeah, you're you're good. Like it's very it's, true. It, 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 it's very strange as a kid. Maybe she's just really astute. Now, um, what what would you do if your children asked you if uh, or told you they wanted to get into show business? Would you advise that they? Do I would that? discourage it mm-hmm. um, until they could get some sort of training of some sort. Gotcha. Yeah. Granted, I was a young child person. Yes. And I didn't have any training. You didn't do any acting classes before you no, started? No. no, I was from small town New Mexico. So yeah, that mean, was it was all just kind of exciting. And that's why I got hired, I think, because I was innately and intuitively able to handle the pressures of dealing with adults and not be too freaked out. And I had parents, thankfully, that didn't talk to us like we were babies. And so I was able to be exist in that situation, but only through sort of innate, mm-hmm. intuitive existence, not sure. skilled at all. And then at a certain point... That's where I think the kid actor has trouble transitioning sometimes yeah. because then you're asked to not just go on your creative and intuitive laurels but to actually have a skill set because then mm-hmm. you're suddenly 15 and they want you to work, yeah. like right. actual work. Yeah. And, and, and then and you have ranges of emotions and you're not just showing up and you're because now they have rules for the unions where the kids can only be on set for like like three hours and then th- yeah. they're gone. Yeah, it's like not, it was nine and a half hours Plus an, an hour of that was lunch and mm-hmm. three hours that was school. And so when you're working, they want you to be working. And that's a tricky dynamic because you're, oh, look at me. Aren't I cute? <laughs> they don't like that anymore. And, they, yeah. and then you and get that, acne and they're like, nah, you're not so uh, cute anymore. Yeah, shave off <laughs> that peanut butter's not going to sell itself, especially <laughs> not with that acne. Uh, wait, so not to get all James Lipton on you, but uh, mm. in 1988, <laughs> you were in a film with Whoopi Goldberg. Clara's heart. <laughs> uh, that was your first gig, yeah? 
That was my first, like well, real... my first gig of import, probably. Okay. Yeah. I what was the gig before that? Um, a commercial, I auditioned like... for Clara's Heart, and yeah. then I didn't get it. And then I that same audition tape got me an agent in Hollywood, California. Uh, actually, it was more Studio City. Gotcha. <laughs> but you. that's more well, impressive. We're, yeah, we're, all, we're all totally judging you right now. Studio City agent. Studio City is where all the studios <laughs> are. I don't know if you know what the word is. Yeah, Brad. Mean. Would you stop embarrassing well, me? Well, maybe that's why I have not been in a movie with <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg, because I haven't figured this out yet. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so going to Arcadia. I ended up getting a TV show, an episode of a TV show called Throb. Nice. That sounds <laughs> like an inter- that, that, that that sounds like a movie show? I couldn't rent yeah. until I was eighteen. It was a lot of blowjobs, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that's a good way to start. That's know? like <laughs> I learned I mean, a lot. Yeah, of yeah, different things. That was when yeah. ABC Family was taking risks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now they've really watered down their programming. Sure, <laughs> watered down. I did some of that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we know how you got all those parts. Yeah, you were skilled from day one. No, I, it was a it was a sitcom with Diana Canova and a guy named Jonathan. Prince, and it was um, it wasn't even on a network. I think it was a syndicated sitcom. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Jane leaves the British woman from Frasier. Do you remember her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. she was on it. Awesome. And go. I played a little kid uh, who stalked her of all people. <laughs> so I was one episode of that, and then I ended up getting Clara's heart, and then started working more after that. It, was it weird to go then? Because you were commuting essentially from New Mexico to Hollywood for mm-hmm. the, for, for for a while. Was it, was it strange then to go back to New Mexico or how did like yeah, how did like, you adjust? Yeah, it, like was, did... it was strange. Yeah, it, but it felt more it felt more like a cool adventure. Yeah, I'd go away for four weeks and go mm-hmm. to Vancouver and hang out in Vancouver for four weeks and meet all these fun people and do this thing and then go back to my regular life. How did the you other re- kids treat you? Uh, they were fine. Yeah. Once I got to I moved from Ruidoso to Albuquerque when I was became a sophomore in high school and and that was a much bigger town yeah i had a theater department and so then i would could hang out with sort of the drama geeks and mm-hmm. join the thespian club and do all of that stuff so i was right at home in that world did they think uh, that it was cool that you were getting these outside parts in hollywood or was there like a jealousy thing like oh neil thinks he's so cool he's friends with Whoopi goldberg <laughs> <laughs> i think i was more paranoid that that dynamic existed than aware that it actually didn't exist that much Mm because i you know i wanted to be anonymous at the same time i wanted to fit in i wanted to not make any sort of waves so i was probably hyper aware that that could be something that's pick onable Mm -hmm. but i I, you know maybe a couple times people would i got a lot of doogie people would shout doogie Mm-hmm. As I was leaving someplace, like they'd, I'd see little clusters of kids from school, maybe not even my school, but other high, high schools yeah. in Albuquerque, at the food court at the mall or something, right? And they would recognize. I'd see like, oh, pish, 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 pish posh, pish, posh. And then as I was leaving, you hey, Doogie. Yeah. Well, and then I was like, what? Why are you probably fucking waiting until I'm leaving? Well, yeah. In their defense, weird... you know, and I read this, you used to wear your scrubs all the time at the all food the, court. So that was, was that a problem? No, that's just a choice you made. I was a messy eater. Yeah. <laughs> that made sense. <laughs> I'm going to get my real clothes messed up. Uh, how, how, how long into Doogie Hauser did you stay in New Mexico or, wh- or when did you move out to LA? I stayed there until I graduated high school, which was 1991. Okay, wow. And uh, once I graduated, and that was season two of the show, and we did four seasons of the show. So once I was mm-hmm. able to work full-time, I just moved to uh, to LA. Also. Only four seasons? Why does it feel like that show was on for like 25 yeah, seasons, of, right? it was one of those in syndication shows, and it was on all the time, twice a day, every day on some channel for a while. Fuck. Yeah. That's that crazy, right? Wonder years. 
Yeah, those I mean, two, dude. That's your speed. I mean, that's you what ever we call grew up up on. Fred Savage and Julia White, and just be like, let's throw it down like in the Anchorman <laughs> the <greatest>. movie. <laughs> just have like the child stars <laughs> in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Candace Cameron, <laughs> knife or gun. I do. <laughs> I do sort of watch everyone. And, and and sort of keep tabs and want to make sure everyone's doing all right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a tricky beast. The the idea of working as a professional and having that kind of professional weight on your shoulders and and the financial ramifications of it at such a young age. It it just mm-hmm. you have to navigate that and then more importantly navigate out of it because inevitably a show like that stops existing and then that yeah. world of craft service and drivers of cars that take you to places and people and adoration and stuff and and liquid income stops happening unless mm-hmm. you just keep working all the time which is very rare and so then there's a propensity for depression or drug abuse and things like that that i think a lot of those kids tend to end up having because yeah, yeah. they end up with all this money that they can just spend on whatever and they have people that say yes to them all the time so um how, how did happily, that happen yeah. to see that most of the kids of my age didn't go through the river Phoenixy yeah. sort of hardcore sure. heroin stages sure. and that Fred's doing great. Fred's, he was just on a sit on a TV show. Right yeah. With the uh, Rob Lowe and he's the voice of Honda. Is he the voice of Honda? He's the voice of oh, Honda. I only know that because we have the voice of Hyundai right here. So, uh, so, so you guys are gonna throw down. Yeah. So, both <laughs> savage if you're, li- if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so, in the parking lot of the IHOP at five o'clock tomorrow. I'll be in L.A. But so you got to decide which IHOP you think I'm gonna be at. Uh, but he also Fred directs a ton. He yeah. does a bunch of pilots every year. And did how much? Gig. How much medical stuff did you uh, <laughs> know going into that? Like it's none. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> Does and do any actors for any medical show? It seems like they all. I've heard stories of them like the jargon is so unfamiliar. It was all unfamiliar, yeah. but you didn't. There's so much medical shit to learn yeah. that you can't really make have a primer. Did they try to give you like have you go to any classes to at least like? There was a woman named Linda Klein who was our medical advisor, and she would. This every is a heart. Week, this is a penis. See ya. No, it was more. Here's a here's a raw chicken breast, and oh. we're gonna teach you how to t- do a suture. So this is wow. the, this is how you take it out of the package, and this is the clamp, and you put the, the needle here, and this is how you make a suture, and this is okay. how you cut it, so that you at least have a basic skill set of yes. what you're doing. Um, Amazing. And otherwise, I, I remember I had a picture book that was by a professional photographer of trauma in ER rooms. Or maybe it followed a singular. Okay, what's up, hospital. nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was real research though. But it was okay. it was it was pictures of people at the end of their shift, you know, with their gloves in their hand. Maybe just had just like, lost a patient, or just something. like war photography. Almost. Yeah, it was, it was very much like war photography, black and white pictures. Yeah. And I remember looking at that a lot because that was kind of the juxtaposition of the show, which was I'm a kid going through adolescent change, but also having to process real adult situations. Right, and you. Or doing that at the same time because now yeah. you're in now you're in the adult world and you're running a business and uh, I heard that your parents stopped being lawyers in New, in New Mexico and then moved out to L A. Had to yeah by law. To. Wow, you have to have a parent with you mm-hmm. uh, or a or a guardian. And I yeah. think coming from New Mexico and not being in the business that our, our family all of us thought it made less sense to just have your child go away from you to Hollywood of all places and beyond their own. So yeah. they both came up and so that the family was together. 
that was tricky. But what do you think? It. What do you think the show did? I know what Doogie did for me as a kid. It was very inspiring. I'm sure for a lot of kids. Nice. Um, but what do you think? Why do you think it resonated so hard with people? You were phenomenal. I by think the way. it was one of those shows. Thanks, man. I think yeah. it was one of those shows that didn't talk down to kids yeah. and allowed families to watch stuff together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and back then, I think Wonder Years and. It wasn't a multi-camera sitcom. It was filmed as a single camera, almost Sex in the City, with him typing his thoughts at the end of the computer. Oh, every kid around the world, oh, yeah. when they sat Blogger. down at the computer, like wanted to have an emotional wrap-up of the day. <laughs> exactly. I remember sitting at my computer, like in my head, hearing, and being like, today I almost touched a boob. We'll see. Tomorrow's another day. Hashtag recess. That's before hashtags were even happening. Nice. Um, nice. So, but, sorry, uh, sorry if that brought up like bad memories. If we like hum the song and now you have like a Pavlov, <laughs> yeah, like a Pavlov dog <laughs> reaction, like oh man, <laughs> no, screw you so guys. Funny. That's everyone, a great sketch. Everyone, not everyone. Many people worry that 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 chapter bugs me and that I don't mm-hmm. want to be called it or anything. And I'm totally fine with it. I mean, you realize, I'm still surprised yeah. that I'm 43 years old, right? <laughs> that I have been not doing that show since I was 19, eight, 19 years yeah. old. So doing the math, that's like 50 years have passed. <laughs> and okay, well, we'll double check that math yeah, yeah, after yeah. the podcast, but yeah, it's close. <laughs> I never went to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people still say, just still call me Doogie, especially in Harlem. In it Harlem. blows your mind, huh? You really? Yeah. It's, they'll be, they'll it's walk, I'm, walk, I'm a grown ass man with two children of my own, <laughs> and it, not that it offends me. I'm no. not saying it to offend me. Yeah, no, you're, just, you're you're just curious as to like why that role. Yeah, I'll say hey, why Doogie, that one? I like your new show. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, maybe call me that guy. Okay. Yeah. So, no, I mean, yeah, and then I played him, so I'm happy. And then when Doogie ends, I mean, that, are you aware at that age that like that you're not a real doctor? <laughs> like, do you go out into the world no. and people go, yeah? No, they gave me a lithium prescription. <laughs> so for about Fantastic. seven years after that, I was totally jealous. <laughs> but like, but like when you try to when you're trying to move on to the things, or are are you aware at age 19 of the pitfalls that have like gotten the people that have been typecast in a role are you scared that you're not gonna find another role i wasn't really scared i was worried i think that 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 was gonna have been it yeah so it was less that i was worried about being pigeonholed as only that kind of person but just that i would not be able to have the fun of working again sure so i think that gave me the drive to keep wanting to do different stuff Mm -hmm. and maybe break out of that box it was fun to play that part, but it was I think it was more fun to play the crazy guest stars or Vinny or the people that got to have fun. Doogie was very kind of serious and always Well you uh, well he was a straight nucleus. man while all the craziness right. was happening around him. That's exactly right. So, Is that, so like now, So like when Harold and Kumar comes up, that's like I mean, right, complete seems fantastic. Yeah. Like that was a great something I had nothing to do with was mm-hmm. written. For you. Assuming that I would do it, I didn't know the dudes at all. Wow! And I read it, and I thought, "You played well, that guy so good." <laughs> like, I mean, and had you ever, even in any musical or any sort of class, ever done like that? For I guess because it was just like I just liked how <clears throat> what a twisted reality it was. Yeah, were you so worried? It's that, fun to play. Yeah. I'm rolling on ecstasy <laughs> as myself, right? Because it was such a broad comedy that it seemed palatable yeah. yeah were you worried that people would think that that's oh, the real Neil. that's who he is we all know <laughs> like no because you're playing because yourself I, but not yourself but i like that you know i like magic is my hobby and, yeah mm-hmm. and i like subterfuge and i like the idea that 
that you think someone or something is one way, but it's actually another. Yeah. So I've, I'm drawn to performances that are clearly not the person, but are fully completely formed or people that are circus performers and can do amazing single-handed handstands, but then otherwise mm-hmm. can exist well, it's like anonymity. Yeah, it's like Brad, like in the right light. He's actually 6'4". <laughs> is, is it 6'4"? Yeah. yeah, it's really, really He's good tricks. The way he's sitting on that beanbag. Yeah, yeah. This light, it's not, it's very, it's shortening. It, 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 it's so funny you talk about the uh, the uh, circus performers because yeah. that's how you and I really got to know each other, yep. is the uh, Neil Patrick Harris's circus awesomeness which if you're in america you're like what was that because yeah. uh, it wasn't in america it was uh it was, montreal yeah the montreal comedy festival played on hbo canada where you got uh, a variety of acts and it truly was a variety yeah and uh and then you had me doing stand-up and you had uh you had uh puddles the clown singing and you had puddles. uh he sang Oh yeah, that's oh, amazing. Yeah, he's, he's the best. unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I just sent me a video, or was it a picture of you guys on the ship? Right? Yeah. The yeah. whole the whole thing ended I with like, us coming out on the on the Titanic. <laughs> oh my god! Neil doing the, <laughs> you <were> doing the, <laughs> the yeah, yeah arms spread, and then <laughs> Puddles was singing the song. And oh my god! The most impressive thing was there was there was a acrobat. I don't even know if that's the right term, but named uh, Hugo. Uh, Hugo de Marais. Yeah, and you. He had this cage that raised up in the air, and he was spinning on it. You got on this thing. Yeah. You hung from your legs, and the cage raised like at least 15, 20 feet in the air. Yeah. And you were, did you have an agent or a, someone that going like, eh, Neil, it's Canadian television, you know? Like, you don't have to risk your life. It wasn't even supposed to be on TV. I mean, I mm-hmm. knew that it was for yeah. just for laughs for the channel or whatever, but I never, I was never even doing it for the t- for the TV thing. I just thought it was cool to have to host a show for the festival, and mm-hmm. that's why I wanted it to be all interesting performers because I thought I don't really want to host a, just a stand up special. Yeah, because there's 17 of those yeah. a day there every day. So I yeah. said I'd do it if I could do fun, crazy circus, like crazy alternative viewing. Yeah. And That's why you were so amazing because you oh, fit you. in sort of the carnival world, but yeah. your mm-hmm. stand-up is so strong that it was the perfect juxtaposition. He got thank you three, three, four, s- four. We've only had four shows. Yeah, four standing ovations, oh, which was magnificent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you crushed it. Thank you, thank you, and uh, thank you for the opportunity because now. Uh, Montreal, I'm I'm on their radar like for life. They're like, well, you're gonna come back and get yeah, awesome. another 27 standing ovations, right? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if my new stuff is that good, but yeah. okay, I'll try. <laughs> it was just subpar stuff around. <laughs> you. It made you really look, really uh, that that musicals, I mean, so you, musicals have been something you've loved always, yeah. And just the, I like musicality. Yeah, I've always liked circus stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Honestly, growing up in small town New Mexico, we'd go to Albuquerque to the uh, New Mexico State Fair, and I would always go to the Midway where all the carnies were, and I was just fascinated by the freak shows and by the clown in the cage that you'd throw the the, the try and hit a target, mm-hmm. and I I was just fascinated by that world, yeah. by the three headed man and yeah. the, and the chicken with with hair instead of feathers and so wait where how come that's not on the menu at kfc <laughs> there was a guy named popeye speaking of chicken and he was an african-american dude and he's really actually famous and he came through albuquerque and i didn't even know he was famous and he's 
Popeye and he would look at you and his eyes would open really wide and his eyeballs would come out of their socket toward you. What? And they'd shake. No. And then they'd pop back in like the um, like the big uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. yeah. And he gets he gets in the car and they turn. That is a legitimate thing that certain people can do. So he's like so he's like a cartoon when they like the cartoon when they see a pretty lady. It's just that. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like that. Yeah. yeah. My God! So I've always loved that. Then I went to, when there's I, a performing aspect to all that too, right? So you're like they're on, uh, whether how many people are watching, but they're on a stage more or less, right? So I mean, there was that element yeah, that you was, were enticed by. I or? liked the performing, I guess, but not for, just for the sake of being the one noticed. Yeah, I liked the special skill. Yeah, I liked magic—the fact that someone could do something and you wanted to know how it was done, but there was a sort of a secret behind it. Right. Then when I went and did that Throb episode, actually, I stayed in Santa Monica, and next to it was a big tent, and Cirque du Soleil had just started performing in California, and their first show uh, was, God, I don't know, so ages ago. I think it was Cirque yeah. du Soleil, Tom Selleck, when they were doing a whole... That's right. It was like a best of they would like, work. They would, they would like dance on his mustache. Yeah. I remember that one. It was like Magnum P.I., Mr. Baseball. That's a big mustache. <laughs> it's a big mustache. It was the whole set. I remember seeing it, though, and there was a comedian... A clown named Denis Lacombe. Nice. And he had a really famous act where he'd walk out and he was a conductor a cla- of, of classical music. And he awesome. would get and lock into a little mini trampoline and he had big uh, ski boots on, but you couldn't really know because yeah. the way he, he was a clown, so it did just like, like dark boots. And he would stand and he didn't know that that's what it was. And he'd start conducting and then he'd lean way forward. And since he was on the mini tramp, his whole body <laughs> would lean forward. And then he kept the, the baton kept flying out of his hand and he'd dig and pull out another one. And it would get more and more frantic. And he'd ended up pulling out hundreds of batons and his pants would fall down <laughs> I and, mean... and he'd drop down. And it was so visually amazing. Yeah, well, now I have a new closer. <laughs> yeah, oh, Danny Lacombe. I think he's still alive. That's he's amazing. Still doing that act. And then I saw David Shiner do his his circus act. So all of that's kind of how I got intrigued by theater and by musicals because I think there's something and exciting that, yeah. about an audience sitting watching live someone do something that you can't do or didn't even think could be done. And that could be singing a song about breakup in a musical and you know and and you've never felt that way but you never thought that those words could go to get watching hamilton yeah you know and yeah. those all of those rapid fire words i didn't even know that those internal rhymes existed and then to have that happen is like that's a super heroic kind of thing does it akin to david copperfield doing some kick-ass you know sawing a woman in half in front of me like yeah. i love that live stuff hey brad what's going on adam i got some exciting news holy crap they're making a mighty ducks four <laughs> No, but now I'm just really upset that they're not. Oh, they should. Uh, Brad and I are back doing exclusive episodes of the About Last Night podcast on TuneIn. That's right. And these are episodes with just Adam and myself. Uh, no guests, just us hanging out, uh, shooting the shit, updating you on our lives, and being, and mo- most importantly, being funny. Yeah, the OG the OG way, the, the way this podcast got started. We took a little break, but we are back doing exclusive episodes, just Brad and Adam. Uh, and you can get these episodes where, Brad? You can get these exclusive episodes on the TuneIn app. That's Woo. right. Just download the TuneIn app. Uh, TuneIn spelled T-U... T-U... T-U what? <laughs> T-U-N-E-I-N. Download that TuneIn app. Type in About Last Night, and you can get these exclusive episodes. And remember, they're only on TuneIn. They yeah. are not available on iTunes, our website, or anywhere else. Just TuneIn. That's why it's special. That's why it's exclusive. Speaking of exclusive, continue to enjoy this amazing episode of the About Last Night podcast with me, Adam Ray. And me, Brad Williams. Does that fascination with all that 
play into every time you've hosted an award show like you're like wanting to have some um just the amount of chaos and different moments like in the tony i mean just sure. every time you host there's, those numbers are incredible oh thanks well yeah. award shows are fun because yeah. they're one-offs right so you can you you get to plan a singular thing mm-hmm. that you never do again and it usually is topical about the the award show that season themselves so sure. it involves for the tonys the musicals of that season or for the emmys the tv shows of that year and then it's kind of a being a chef and creating a meal, right? So you need some palate cleansers and dumb jokes and yeah. things that make people feel better than you. Like I, <laughs> my sense of humor level at award shows tends to be dad puns yeah. and things like that. <laughs> Which, you know, who doesn't like those? Yeah. Our next presenter I said at the Oscars <laughs> is this woman and you, uh, you can eat her with her spoon Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. with Witherspoon. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got dinged for that so hard. But I did that kind of intentionally because yeah, I think sure. it's funny. And I think that the audience in the theater doesn't want to be yelled at or no. made fun of. You kind of go, womp, womp. And then you're... Yeah. Your palate is cleansed. And, yeah, I'm the sorbet of, yeah. of award show hosts. Also, you have to be as likable as you are and have like you know, just the comedic chops to be able to do something like that and not have it seem like you're getting hit over the head with a dad pun. It's still sure. like, you still laugh at it. It's Carson. Yeah. It's like old school Carson yeah. stuff. And when you're doing, when you're hosting an award show, which, yeah, if, if anyone, Google the Google, Tony yeah. opening numbers. The Did it, you crush those things so the, hard? <laughs> it's not just for gays anymore. Yeah. Is <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen yeah. on television. Yeah. It, 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 I truly believe night. that. Yeah. It, it that was, was amazing. Good. That was fun that they let us do that cuz the the Tonys were always really reverential. And well, it's would, a very niche market. Yeah. And, and so to be to sing about gay anything yeah. was kind of only allowed that year because Book of Mormon was the big musical of that year and Book oh, of yeah. Mormon was so in your face with its comedy and lewdness that yeah. you can mm-hmm. be a little more lewd with it. Yeah, you seem tame. So yeah, we did <laughs> actually to Book of Mormon. Tame. It allowed it to us to do that. The one I liked was bigger. That Lin Manuel Miranda because it's Hamilton. bigger. Yeah. yeah, that one. He wrote the he wrote that with a guy named Tom Kitt, and that was massive. We'd gotten back to Radio City Music Hall, and every cast of every show was a part of it, and we had very little time to rehearse it, and it just kept growing and growing and growing, and that was a really terrible one to do. It, it's just like was, was there pressure on you to? Uh, top yourself every year like okay well I'm back hosting again so we gotta we, we gotta have a plane land on stage like, like <laughs> well, <laughs> driven by Sully Sullenberg yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's gonna happen if anyone can do it Sully can I didn't think that way with the Tonys because again it revolves around the season mm-hmm. and so with the Book of Mormon thing it seemed fine to be irreverent so that w- one was kind of fun and then we had been at the Beacon Theater, which is not even a theater. It was an old movie house yeah. up in the Upper West Side. And so it was, a, it was a smaller, packed in space. And so then when we got to go back to Radio City, it just seemed like it was an appropriate thing to go, now look at where we are. We're in this gigantic space, so let's put on a show that's gigantic. So that kind of wrote itself. Mm-hmm. I would certainly not want it. And then the Oscars was the last one that I did. And that was sort of... I wanted to be as visual as possible. So I danced with my shadow that got large and then turned out to not be my shadow but a projection yeah. and we did some kind of in-camera editing stuff but I really wanted that to be as cinematic as possible even though it was an opening number so they kind of correlate to whatever it is to whatever, I feel like, whatever it is you're doing I feel like saturation point was, was very reached mm-hmm. before that Oscars thing <laughs> what, what is the most exhilarating part about being on stage um, either whether you're hosting or in a show but like just, I guess, for people, you know, I did musical theater all through high school and college. Mm-hmm. And then when I stopped, that's where I started doing stand up because I was like, I still need that live fix because it was just like, and I was always a funny kid, but it was, 
it was like I need to be on like that interaction between the audience and yeah. being on stage and live is just like unlike anything, obviously. So like so different when you're performing than when you're hosting. Hosting is is time management and it's, you're thinking of the next thing. Thinking of the next thing, but you're trying to gauge the audience, but the audience that's there is so disparate because they're all there because they're nominated and their categories about to come up and <sighs> mm-hmm. and they're next to seat fillers who they don't know or they're next to other celebrity people that they don't know and and it's there's commercial breaks and there can you pee and do you have time and are you, you're starving and you're in a dress like all of it's very Jesus. it's a weird kind of vibe yeah yeah and so you're trying to sort of manage that but i think for me not to sound too sort of granola crystally but which is you, our sponsor so can... thank you for saying that <laughs> crystal granola <laughs> you can only get it from, at neil's from the makers of crystal pepsi <laughs> Comes <laughs> crystal control, oh, well, then it's not going <laughs> to do well. Oh man! <laughs> but I, but I do recognize that when you're performing live, uh, and it's going well, and I'm probably the same would be in stand up. In fact, I'm, I'm positive it would be the same in stand up. That there's a communal energy, yeah. that's palpable, Absolutely. that's almost tactile. That you can, if you hold up something too long, you lose it. You can feel it kind of going away and you yeah, have to yeah. want to get it back. You're kind of tapping this energy back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So doing Hedwig or something where it's just me on stage and it's not me at all, but I can get real serious and really dramatic and you can feel the energy of that so different from doing a runner of three jokes, each one out laughing the next one and the energy of that. I think mm-hmm. anyone can kind of relate to that yeah, idea yeah. of being giving a good toast at a wedding yeah. and it landing really well <laughs> right and, and when you just you, like oh man in the middle of it you get serious and you yeah talk about the first time you mean everyone gets really really quiet like, yeah that <laughs> feeling is a palpable is a really visceral feeling mm-hmm. have, you, have you had to give uh i just uh, in a little tangent but have you had to ever give a wedding Th- speech so, or i'm toast? most nervous about doing things like that i was just gonna say i, I can't That's remember who i was worst. just talking to but it was somebody who performs a big comic and they were the worst had to do it and they were like i get more nervous for those than i do playing in front of ten thousand people and it's, Without question, right? That, then it's all friends and family, essentially. If you're do like if you if you're the best man or something, yeah. yeah. Then, have you had to do them? Because then you have to. I've I haven't really given best man speeches. I've okay. been well. Brad's about to get married, oh, so hey, maybe hey, we'll hey, see. Uh, hey. Never know. And coming on that boat again? That'd be great. Got some <laughs> knock, knock jokes. Plenty <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> really dad jokes. He when are you getting married? His, uh, probably late August. So I don't. So that, thank you. Any advice other than have Elton John play your reception? <laughs> Because I know because I know Elton John played your reception, and uh, I don't think yeah. I can compete with that. <laughs> uh, an Elton John mixtape? Could we get okay. John Elton, the folk <laughs> yeah. singer from Burbank, California? I think we can get him. I think he's available. Do you guys get super insecure though with all with the time your own oh, content up? as a as a, as a stand up? Because I feel like stand up is one of the things that I could never do, even though I do. I disagree. Comedy mm-hmm. stuff sometimes, but I would be most insecure writing my own stuff and then presenting my own stuff for the first time or second time or third time even yeah. having it not land or it landed last night but it didn't land that oh, yeah. would spend, send me to a mind really? fucky place hardcore it, well I, and it does sometimes yeah. when you know when a joke isn't as good as it was the night before uh, for me personally it's constantly coming up with new material where it's like I've been do like I'm insecure that the audience has seen a joke before if I'm still doing a joke from a special that aired like uh, two months ago it's like oh crap they're gonna and the gen- and I have to keep reminding myself that 
I'm not the center of the universe. People don't like have my jokes just on recall where True. they know them all. So, but are you worried? Do you worry if something's funny, or do you pretty much say if you come up with a joke that makes you laugh personally? Yeah, you'll think. That I think you know funny. the name of the game is honing your pers- your point of view and your voice, and that just comes with time. It's like he's 13 years in; I'm about to be 10 in. Well, so now we both know when we go up on stage with something that we've um, thought about that day of. And we've worked it out enough in our head. Uh, some people go on yeah. stage and they, they have just one simple idea and they'll write on stage and come up. But like we both kind of have to beat it out a little bit to know what we're going to say more or less. And you kind of trust yourself that, yeah, like you're that it's not going to completely tank. And sometimes, you know, it will a little bit. But I think you can attest that like you always get some laugh from something new because you've you know your point of view on it. That's yeah, it's good to um, know. This would be a good edit point because I can't remember her name. Who was the the woman that sang at the end of Bridget? Yeah, okay, Bridget, Bridget Everett. Everett, amazing. So remember in uh, Circus Maximus, yeah, Bridget Everett. First night we go out there and she does this song that's really lewd, and she goes out into the audience, mm-hmm. and it did not land. It was bad. It didn't land at all. The crowd was not into it. They were scared of her. That's scared <laughs> a very specific of her. thing too. Totally, yeah. but I remember her afterwards sitting in her dressing room, kind of fanning herself, sort of shell shocked. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I think she it crushes a lot. Expected to have have killed it, yeah. and yeah. she and it kind of killed her a little bit that first one. And I thought, uh, like this conversation, what I, the, I brought up, I said that I would never want to do that. That would be the most insecure, right. worst feeling of thinking that you. Well, and then your own material. Yeah. But then here's here's where it kind of goes and it it comes back around. But there then is no better feeling than when Mm -hmm. it tanks and then you figure it out and then it works again. True. That because then you because then you've conquered something. Nice. So that's the challenge of it. And I think you figure out early on and we both did where it's like you have those early times of doing well and then not doing well. And then you just kind of face with that crossroad of like, all right, do I want to not have that not. Uh, the feeling of not doing well again and figure that out or do I just want to go all right that was scary I don't ever want to do that again and that's kind of when people separate if they want to do it or not but but yeah the feeling of figuring it out is like I mean taking something that gets some response and then like maybe by figuring it sure even by sometimes it'll take a week or even a month or we both come up with tags for things like years later just because a certain audience you know makes you kind of adjust the timing a little bit based on a laugh that you didn't because you did a little nuance that made something else happen and then you're like oh shit and then in the moment you add some other stuff because they laughed at something you didn't expect and that's when it's really cool what about talk show stand-up that's uh well i mean i mean i'm not a fan i've only done the couch once with ferguson and it was like we that was the best that to me seems like how it should be all the time well he was the greatest like the man just they the conversation when they would introduce and you'd walk out there and stand there yeah, get, you have your three and a half minutes. Oh, okay. I that seems you then that seems super plotted out. You have to, right? Because yeah. It's, oh, and it's got to get cleared by all the censors. And I thought you meant when people will do bits on the couch that are planned. <laughs> like a comic will do bits in conversation, and those are planned too. Sometimes everyone? comics do that. Well, they have like yeah. yeah, and they'll they'll set them up. I think it depends on the guest and like if they're quick enough to just have sure if the comic like funny banter. leans over to. The talk shows goes, hey, ask me about my kids, and then they go, hey, so you got two kids? And he goes, oh, well, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, this just happened, and yeah, then and then and then, and then, and then they go right to the bit, yeah. yeah. So, I but mean, yeah, with the talk, with the sets, I mean, you have to just come out. It's and, very impressive. I feel like you, you could totally do it. I mean, well, you just no, well, it you. but you were offered to do it because there were talks of you replacing Letterman at one point, and but I don't consider that stand up. 
that's something completely different. That's Raja's writer's room. Which yeah. we've done a monologue, yeah. Stuff, and yeah. then your monologue's all on cue cards, and you've already vetted it and decided. That I'm totally capable. I mean, that's, that's sort of talk. That's sort of award show host comedy, Yeah, which is totally fine. And yeah. I'm, I'm funny-ish, so I, I, I don't think that I don't have a sense of humor. I would just have, it would be really insecure for me to yeah. create my own material and then present it at yuck yucks and then have people not laugh and stand and like call shit out at you that would just i would well die. based on what i've seen in your career that you've and how much work you put into it whether it be yeah. broadway whether it be magic whether it be tv whether it be movies i mean i i think i think you could do it because you would you would dive into it i mean hell you brought back the variety show for god's sakes well like <laughs> for one season for one season <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that but, was pretty voracious that but, was a lot i like doing i like i don't know i just like challenging myself and trying new stuff i i maybe from back from the doogie days of of wanting to do something unlike myself after mm-hmm. that chapter had been finished i'm always looking for a, new types of things to do and what if fact, you did the oh. the uh Series of unfortunate events, oh, yeah, which is the Netflix show. That's the current thing that I'm doing. That looks it's incredible. Super Com- cool. And Coming hot. out on my birthday, January thirteenth. Nice. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, your day. So, so, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> I'm just gonna have a series of unfortunate event party <laughs> where I, I just got to get an account Olaf makeup. That's Can I dress so up as uh, Scarface? I give you the hua bua <laughs> for free. Do it. That's fun. Though. Um, how, how now? You now, now you brought that up. How did that? come about like yeah. did was it an audition process was that brought to you uh i was brought to me sort of i had just finished doing best time ever which was the variety show that mm-hmm. i did did we do eight of those i think eight of them and um a few months had gone by and it wasn't going to get picked up for season two they were willing to pick it up for season two and that was a lot of fun by the way i love the, the interaction with the people at the home whole purpose of that show was to just be a real mainstream set your remote down yep. and we're going to show you really random shit that is that we've sort of vetted there's a lot of surprises yep. and and it was based on a UK show which is still super successful called uh, Anton Dex Saturday Night Takeaway and I loved that and it just kind of melded into something different and I I think at the core some things weren't weren't transferable yeah hmm. uh, mainly the ads were something that you won on the UK show Mm-hmm. In fact, they would say, welcome to Saturday Takeaway, where you don't just watch the ads, you win them, everyone says together. And I thought that was a cool idea, that yeah. if you're at home, you can watch the ads for a car and the ads for Crock-Pot and everything, and then at the end, someone randomly chosen from the audience gets to win all the things that you just watched. Awesome. It was weird, wow. good synergy yes. in, as, in the corporate ideal of that. Sure. And so that was kind of part of what we wanted to do, and then American ad companies work in a much much different way yeah they need equality if if you're gonna spend time talking about this car then the other company who's donated money needs equal time oh man and, sure. you know, it turns into a real big thing so we ended up not being able to do that and i think that sort of hurt it a little bit sure. anyway after mm-hmm. that uh we just could have done a second season opted out just because just hey, because it's you did like it you brought you brought back the variety show you did what hard. you wanted to do i was working really hard and not as many people were watching as we had hoped, as right. the network had hoped. Mm-hmm. People that watched it liked it, but it was prosthetics and hidden cameras and going to different states. Yeah, and, so many elements. And hiding and then sure. surprise. It was just a lot of work. Yeah. And, it, and so it didn't uh, it didn't pay off. And How then, soon into something like that can you get a gauge or at least a feeling of like, okay, maybe 
we're just not gonna not until after it was done okay because that was a that was live live yeah. we didn't film that pretended it was live and then edited it. that was live straight up live so at the end i was doing backflips off of <laughs> off of what the what was called the trampoline no uh uh, I'm trying to do this. Is a weird charades. Neil is doing all these different, yeah. like pogo stick. Oh, pogo stick. Okay, wow. There you go. Pogo would stick. not. All right, we will not be on a charade team anytime soon. I was like, <laughs> terrible charade. Dropping is that like one of those? Like you're like one of the claws and like one of those toy machines. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a tea bagging? Uh, tea machine? bagging. Yeah. Nope. Pogo stick. Oh, okay. I mean, I was hoping for tea bagging, yeah, but okay. Gets <laughs> square. <laughs> but uh, so I mean. So then after that happens, are so you are you happens, looking for the next project? My, licking my wounds a bit, mm-hmm. and wondering what was next, and then this idea of doing a Netflix series uh, with a lot of prosthetics felt very Lon Chaney and felt kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a finite commitment too, because there's only 13 books. Yeah, and so it meant that I would get to be the villain, which is sort of the fun role to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a project with creative control because it's not a network show. So Netflix is um, known for not meddling creatively too much. Yeah. And then Barry Sonnenfeld was the big dangling carrot because I've just been a huge fan of his aesthetic and he has a really good visual taste and knows lenses really well. I love the Men in Black movies. Yeah, so I love good. the sense of humor in them. The books are really funny. And so it seemed like... A cool gig, and it was great. It was super hard work. Well, how much time in the makeup chair? Fun. About three hours in the chair, wow. two and a half hours every morning. Wow. Super early, but I play four different characters in it. Oh, you're and not just was, you're, you're not just Count Olaf. I'm Olaf in the first book, and then yeah. he's then he runs away because his plan gets uh, mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't end up happening. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, and then in book two, he comes back as Olaf in disguise. Nice, gotcha. To try and. Uh, well, and children, and then that doesn't work. And then in book three, he comes back as Olaf in disguise as a different person. Sure. And so every book, and I'll be doing it again in different characters. Yeah, will be all different. And I like that it's that I like that they're doing it as a TV show because while the movie was great and I really did enjoy it, uh, there, like you said, there's 13 books. Yeah, you, you can't put 13 books into a two-hour movie and it's super cliff notesy i thought the movie yeah and, and and especially the people that read the books were like going what they totally left that, that yeah. part Agreed. where read and i think there's a lot of fans of that of that series of books mm-hmm. i mean obviously they sold a gajillion of them yeah which is a number they i found out that's the actual number is a bajillion gajillion what <laughs> yeah it's more than a billion all right, I'm super gullible. Are you and fucking with me? It's more than a bajillion. <laughs> it's a gajillion. All right, now he's full of shit. <laughs> well, it sold a bunch of books, and people like it. And so, yeah, we spent two hours on each book, which is a feature film per yep. book. Yeah, that, and that will get more of the details that the lovers of the books wanted. And, I mean, do you look... Because the movie was still fairly recent. It was 10 years ago, I want to say. More than that, 15. 15? Uh, do your research, Brad. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so do you like? Do you look at Jim Carrey's performance, or, or are yeah. you just like doing fresh eyes and saying, I'm going to just do my own thing? Barry told me not to watch the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, because he didn't want me to be one of those actor people that was influenced about the movie. Yeah. But yeah. I but I don't mind being influenced. Yeah. I just just I want to be able to I'm the kind of actor that likes to have as much information as possible. If other people have played a role, then I want to see them play that role so I can go, "Oh, good choice. I'll take that and I'll right. do that." Mm-hmm. Or, mm, you lost me in this section, so I'm going to do it a little bit differently." Like if I'm going to star in Doogie the Musical, I'm going to go back and watch a couple seasons. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Are you doing Doogie the Musical? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm here to get you to sign off on the rights. <laughs> you make a good Vinny. 
Hey, Doogie. <laughs> Wait, oh my God. That's all right. Well, can you stop putting great ideas in my head? I think Brad should be Doogie. I, I, I agree. Child dwarf doctor. That's everything. Hey, Doog. Oh, God, Vinny. <laughs> Is that pretty much the relationship? Like a sighing voice you have for me. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm so over it. <laughs> but I, um,. I watched I watched Jim Carrey's performance and yeah. it was very Jim Carrey and mm-hmm. and I loved the books. I just thought it was very potentially darker and Cirque du Soleilish to mm-hmm. get back to Cirque, which yeah. is weird that I'm doing that over and over. But I but I wanted to do that. I wanted to be one of those supporting characters in a Cirque show that's sort of menacing in the corner physically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of where I where I wanted it to stem from. So did you get to find some cool things physically to kind of, yeah, like... I had, a, I brought my trainer out from LA from New York, actually. And we were doing all these weird animal flow kind of things so that I could have a strong core, but be able to sort of stand tall, but lean over them a lot. Yeah, Cause he peered down his nose a lot. Olaf's very menacing to yeah, say the like least. Long fingers. I had grew my fingernails out so long. What? I would cut my face in the middle of the night. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't go like? I'd wake up and I'd go to work and they said, "What? What happened? What did you attacked by a wolverine?" (laughs) And I'd like I'd wiped my eye or my my. scratched my forehead and my long cut. (laughs) I had marks all over my forehead. I love how I I love how you have three hours of makeup every day, but you're like the nails have to be authentic. Can't well, fake how those. cheesy would that be if you had press on it nails? Yeah, I don't know. That would have been weird. So, man, so like, was it was there objection from your husband there? We'd like, can yeah. you please just cut the nails? Yeah, there was not a lot of digit action <laughs> for a few months. If that's what you're asking, I wasn't going to go that yeah, far. Yeah, but, no, uh, he was asking sure. that. Well, if he wasn't, I was. All you were asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Don't um, shake my hand. In fact, I think that's the end of the pod. That's what we came here to find out. So, it's, like, uh, really, I really, I just have on my notes. Make sure you get to digit action. That's all I got. So uh, we're done after that. I wanted to do a fun voice. So how <laughs> no love talks down here like this. Everything is very mm-hmm. like low and menacing. And then everyone else has a different voice. That's like, I'm going to Stefano, and I talk like this. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then All right. Captain Shaman, he talks. He's a bit like this. That, uh, that uh, Stefano voice you did. <laughs> That's how everyone thinks I'm going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then you talk oh like a regular God. person. Yeah, and everyone's and like, oh, I'm so disappointed. I thought you were a bummer. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> That's how they think I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> oh my god. I now have a female and she talks like this. Her name's Shirley. Shirley St. Cloud. Oh, is she from the South? <laughs> She's kind of a little uh, Christina Hendricks in Mad Men. Ooh, sort right. of like, uh, yeah, the old, old old talkie films from the 1940s, yeah. 50s. Everyone says, says see a lot at the end of their sentences. That's who see she what? is. A lot. They'll say, don't you want to go here? See, <laughs> this I is the best you, podcast he... ever. See. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna isolate that audio. Yes, Hey-o. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that that and, the, the, that and you saying digit action, of digit course. Action. Uh, <laughs> is with all with all the stuff you've done, like in terms of like Friday Show Magic and everything else. Is there something yet that you haven't done that you're like I could still do this? Mm, I really want to direct more stuff. 
Do you like to cook? Do you suck at cooking? Is cooking really tough? Well, then get HelloFresh. That's right. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Every week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks in uh, in a short amount of time. HelloFresh, they source the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so that there's no food waste. They also employ full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to make sure they're nutritionally balanced. And all of these boxes, the HelloFresh boxes that you can order, there's a bunch of different boxes. There's a veggie box, a family box, a classic box, and guess what? You order these boxes, they're delivered in a special insulated box to keep everything fresh, all right? Delivered to your doorstep for free. It's the shit. But don't take my word for it. Listen to Brad Williams. He uses that shit. Tell him, Brad. I do. And th- that's the key point. Yeah. I use that shit. Yeah. Uh, my fiance is an amazing cook. She, she is. is great, but she works. She's not always around. And as a comedian, I'm usually home during the day. She's fighting crime. Right. <laughs> that's what she's doing. She's a black belt. But uh, one, one day, I found myself... All alone in the apartment, yep. I was hungry, and I saw the box of of HelloFresh. And not only that, do they give you this box, but they also give you an apron. They give you this HelloFresh apron. That's fun. I put on the apron. Yeah. I'm feeling like Guy Fieri minus 20% like less douche. Yep. And uh, I put it together because it's so easy. You know I can't cook. Yeah. I fuck it up. I could burn cereal. <laughs> but with, with HelloFresh, they... Measure everything out yeah. right for you, so you don't you don't have to be like, ooh, how many onions do I put in? How much chicken do I have to chop? Yeah, no, you, you just d- get to think and enjoy. Yeah, it's just like, oh, just throw in the salt, throw in the pe- throw it in. It makes the you thing. feel like a chef. Yeah, like yeah. I, like like I'm doing a little Emerald Lagasse, like I'm yeah. yelling, bam! Like yeah. and, and and it's actually fun because you don't have to do all the work of measuring out all the portions. They just put it there right for you. And when I'm telling you guys this, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I was able to do this. Yep. So if I'm able to do this and make it edible and taste good, you, and it was, it was delicious. Uh, your new name is Bratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you come over to my house and I had a Bratatouille and I cook some nice for you. <laughs> so go to HelloFresh.com, promo code ALN, to get $35 off your first week of deliveries. All right? HelloFresh.com, promo code ALN, and start living, breathing, and eating a better life, baby. And now, back to the About Last Night podcast with Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. I want to do sort of bigger gets, meaning as an actor, you sign up for a gig, but you're really only acting in it. You arrive a couple of weeks before or a week before, and you do wardrobe, and then you find out where you're staying, and then you act, and then you're done, and you split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger get of of casting something and then location scouting and then rehearsing and then shooting the whole thing and then editing the whole thing. I think it's just, I don't know, there's something, there's a deeper appreciation for it. Yeah, and it's more, it's worth. more your creation. Yeah, I and, guess so, yeah. And, well, and Gone Girl was kind of, I mean... Act, Gone Girl was great. Actor-wise, I'd love, in the Gone Girl way, getting to work with David Fincher and for David Fincher was super great. Just watching someone of that caliber. Um, and I felt the same way with Barry Sonnenfeld with with series of unfortunate events watching someone who's so good at what they do and getting to play in that sandbox is just awesome so if i was able to do something in that you know star warsy like oh shit you know those big movies that would be not for clout sake but to be 
on a giant set in oh, Zanzibar. Oh my so, you god! Know what I mean? best, so yes. I don't know. It'd probably be horrible with six-year-old kids because I would miss <laughs> them a lot. Because I, you know, those things film in. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Well, you just have to take them to Zanzibar. Yeah. If what if they did like another Jurassic Park? Like, <laughs> See, you... Something like that would be so fun, right? I, I do consider myself a bit of a technical actor. Yeah. I'm less inclined to be excited by an acting gig where I'm with other like-minded actors with a script that we can improvise around and we follow our gut instinct. Like I, mm. I'd rather watch that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I like the technical elements of an eyebrow raise here or a vocal change inflection or wire work or stunt stuff. Yeah. I've well, always loved yeah. Avatar. We need to get you an Avatar. <laughs> Wouldn't that be unbelievable? Well, uh, let me call the hard. Yeah, let yeah. me call the vice president of show business. Great. Yeah, you yeah. have him on speed dial. Yeah, Could I got you? him. Yeah, it's great. Send him a Facebook message. <laughs> uh, like yeah, that would be bonk. That seems like the ultimate. Like, I mean, especially with all the your, um, you know, the circus. Uh, I keep saying I want to be the Riddler. Could you do about ten, seven more minutes? Yeah. yeah. I keep saying that I want to be the Riddler in, a, in the movie, but and it sounds like I'm I'm trying to get the job of being the Riddler. Let's keep putting it out there. I'm not, it's not my goal because I don't. It's want my to goal. Be, what's her name? Is Catwoman who would like show up? Halle in Berry. Her Catwoman suit. Remember? She would do that. Oh, no, uh, Pfeiffer. Ju Julie Newmar. Uh, no, it was who was it? it was one one of the originals from the 1966. From, no, from the movie. Pfeiffer or Barry? Or was there another one? Pfeiffer. Is there another one? Is it the wrong villain? She didn't get it, and she kept showing Is up. Judith trying. Light. Oh yes, uh, I know. I know who you're talking about. Her Ryan something. Uh, she was. She was. And she was in Ace Ventura. She was Lieutenant Ihorn. No way. Yeah. She. Yeah. Well, you can't go from she, Einhorn to Catwoman. That's just nobody's <laughs> ever done. Showing that. up in Catwoman yeah. outfits, trying to get the gig, and I'm not trying right. to do that with the Riddler. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, but I despite think your like despite that, your Halloween photos, but yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was my first taste of the Riddler. But something like that would be super cool, and like that scale yeah. of movie to be. Because mm. now with the watching Joss Whedon's Avengers and things where this. It's. I have no idea how they're even filmed. It's yeah. Just, uh, watch it's Doctor so strange big. or something where it's so yeah. visually spectacular and you don't even well, know what part is has been layered on and what parts are yeah. real. I think all that would. be I fun. mean, the new that would be a new exciting. That can happen because yeah. didn't Joss direct Doctor Horrible's yep. sing along? Yeah. Yeah, which was a cult hit. A cult hit. That 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 you were in and a friend showed to me, and I was amazed by it. Going, Doctor what? Horrible. How is this not an just network tell all the time this needs to happen we would love to do another version of that in some way so yeah i mean but i'm not i'm not pining for work i'm i'm happily working on a gig that's very much what i'm speaking of it's mm -hmm. much more it's much less uh superhero but it's much very 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 visual right now all, yeah on yeah. series of unfortunate events yeah. all of the sets are are real sets on a stage it they've that helps yeah oh when my you're... god it's amazing yeah, actually, it's just amazing, and we're in this real world, and I'm playing multiple characters. It's super duper crazy fun. So, do you ever get we'll crazy lost in it? Where it, does it take an adjustment period to come home? I mean, or can you just step I mean, right out? You know, sometimes I mean, you like, still got the nails. I think, <laughs> yeah, right. I was very happy to clip those nails when I was able to. Um, I bet. Because um, then I could jerk off. <laughs> That's what I mean. 
<laughs> well, obviously. Digit action. And, sure, digit action. <laughs> and we just lost our sponsor, Crystal Granola. Hey, uh, Crystal Granola, come yeah. on. <laughs> come on back. I'll take it back. <laughs> we'll put his face on the bag, jerking off. It'll sell more bags. Um, I do want to say, before we wrap this up, um, I am the biggest Muppet fan. Nice. Known to men. Nice. He actually flying back early to have callbacks for Muppet Babies, the reboot tomorrow. Cool. Um, so say a prayer for Kermit and Animal. We'll see what happens. What did you think of the new uh, Muppet Show revamp that they did on ABC? Um, man, I don't know where you stand on this, but like Jim Henson was a god to me, mm-hmm. and I got so attached to all the original everything that it's like, it's almost like growing up with your dad with a mustache, and then he shaves it one day, and you go, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I I still loved it because I love that the Muppets came back. I think like the sense of humor was good. It was a little jarring to see the. Uh, talk into the camera yep. structure of yeah. it, the modern family kind of structure to it. I, I, I get the like updated, like let's kind of go with the times. Don't and it, you... it sounded cool on paper, but yeah. the original it, format of the Muppet Show was so it's like the Office, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the original format, you know, to have it just so be good. a behind the scenes look. You have the, be- I mean, it was so like you just got to be a fly on a wall to a show instead of, you know, um, I got to do a thing. I we produced called Neil's Puppet Dreams, which you should look up online. What? And I got to use the Henson alternative puppets. What they had a they they made a group of maybe twenty thirty puppets that they did an improv show called Puppet Pup it Up. Up. So it was those puppets. Yeah, I've seen that. that all right, uh, now you know he's dedicated because I have no idea what you're talking about with Puppet Up. In Sounds New like York, a... they did it called Stuffed and Unstrung, and essentially yeah. it was an improv show, which was super fun to watch. You'd go and there would be a wall of puppets, and there'd be great improv puppeteers mm-hmm. and a host that would say they would get suggestions from the audience. It's like whose lines anyway with, exactly. uh, with puppets? And, wow! And then they'd go, okay, go. You, uh, it's going to be Tom and Susan and Barry, and they'd go up and they'd grab puppets. Mm-hmm. And there was a camera on yeah. a tripod, and then the screens would come on, on the side, yeah. and they would. So right, you, it's as, amazing. as an it's audience, unreal. were watching the puppeteers coming up with hilarious improv <laughs> yeah. comedy while you're watching the screens, and they're doing puppet comedy wow. with improv stuff. It was a great skill yeah. set. And so we did uh, six or eight episodes of this show where um, I play this guy who, Neil Patrick Harris, who sleeps a lot, and when he dreams, he dreams in puppet. And so each episode I mean, has a very, yeah, man, that's incredible. Yeah, there's and, and Brian Henson, uh, I do a Bollywood number where I'm in love with a cow, a sacred <laughs> cow. <laughs> and it's and he plays the cow, so that was super fun to work with Brian. Yeah, I was going to say what is, the, he's I just mean, great. They're super creative. It's that it's again it's that it's a special skill. Absolutely. You Did know, you? Yeah. I mean, you have an amazing. I had that Kermit phone by the way nice. out there as a kid, so that that's a prized possession. But what? Uh, um, you got to do like Sesame Street and stuff, yeah? Yeah, I did a Sesame Street episode. What was that I was like the fairy shoe person? I granted wishes in shoes. <laughs> that was super fun to be on set there with the people, and it's just they wear the headbands with the yeah. microphone, you know, yeah. in their mouth, and they're looking at little screens and they're on little dollies that they can slide around on their knees, and Amazing. it was just super dream come true. I just I love it. Yeah, and and Henson rather be yeah, rather be finding out because I know through all your. Uh, involvement in magic you found out some how a lot of tricks are done or yeah. now i guess seeing kind of sort of behind the scenes of sesame street does that kind of ruin that for you or does it almost make you love it more no it makes me love it more mm-hmm. i seek information and i really want to know how things are done mm-hmm. i'm fascinated by going to vegas not because i like 
the shows, but I like how the show fits in the structure of the casino. Like, I really like all of the machinations. Is how, that the right uh, word? How it all just kind of ties in with a like general theme works, or like something? Why there's no windows and why they're pumping in cells oh, okay, and okay, where okay. the chips go and how they get cleaned and what. Like, I'm just fascinated by how yeah. it all works. So magic, I love how it works. I always wanted to go see Sesame Street yeah. because I wanted to see the wide shot. I wanted to see... Mm-hmm. how the puppeteers actually do it. Yeah. Because I can see the puppets and I know that someone's manning it. Yeah. I just never get to see that. There right. should be a amount of time for a kid, though, to know, like, or to at least believe that that is real for a certain amount of time, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Or, do, or sure. maybe do, maybe... But I think Avenue Q yeah. had that great idea of yeah. having Brilliant. the puppeteers be seen with the puppets and you get to see two things at the same time. And then... Uh, kind of why uh, Puppet Up was so great. Yeah, yeah. In fact, if I... I had a whole idea that I was going to do if I was ever going to host the Emmys. In fact, I think we went down that pathway a little bit. I wanted to do a Muppets Emmys opening number. Yes. Done. Where I did a bunch of sketches with, with Muppets. And then what you could do is go online and watch the wide shot and see. Oh, man. So if you watch it just on TV, right. it just seemed like I went into, now I'm in a neighborhood set. But yeah. if you were there in the theater or you watched it on online, you could see all the people moving sets and oh, all man. stuff. I just thought so that would be super cool. Yeah, just so you could see a, sort of a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, exactly. That was fascinating. A, there was a great episode of the um, short-lived Tony Danza show on nice. ABC. Nice. Drink five <laughs> if you're playing at home, the Tony Danza show <laughs> drinking game, uh, but where he, he had Steve Whitmer on, you know, the current Kermit, yeah. and he basically just into the camera, like, outs that like he's like and we've got uh kermit uh the frog will be here which is gonna be a lot of fun we'll talk to kermit about you know uh you know the muppets and all that stuff and uh and steve whitmire the guy who does kermit because you know it's a guy that does it and then he just kind of <laughs> looks in the camera and goes well i think i just outed kermit to all the kids kids turn off the tv and kind of like <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow it was amazing he's fine we just on Broadway. are you not supposed to that is that a is that a thing that you're not supposed to say well i don't know i know that like uh, i used to one of my first jobs was i would work at Disneyland and they would they would tell us like no no you never let the magic go you absolutely <laughs> never do Disney's very strict about there was like the magic there was yeah there were, we, we would like be in a there would be a dark room and like Goofy would come out and like t- tie your wrist down some bad stuff would happen to you. <laughs> what you, you, I've worked for the mouse and, and mm-hmm. backstage still the Mickeys are full headpieces mm-hmm. on like the, all of that is very real you yeah. don't see people yeah Chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> well, come to, come to Universal <laughs> Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's different at the haunts. Yeah, I used yeah. to see Captain America doing bumps backstage. So. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, soon. kids. Which right. I mean, not soon enough. <laughs> how do you think he got his super strength? <laughs> <laughs> That's how he did it, folks. Sorry. Um, this has been unbelievable. Yeah, thank you so oh, much for pleasure, taking man. time. I mean, this is like a treat beyond treats. And yeah. uh, if you do want to do stand up, and Brad and I write your hour, and maybe it's as Doogie, you know, twenty years later. Yeah, nothing will will. <laughs> my career faster than you doing Doogie Howser stand-up set. Well, ju- well, just wait till this podcast airs. <laughs> uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Show. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone.
<laughs> Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice.